Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Winging It F1 podcast. It's just me and Freddie to dissect what was a pretty dramatic, I'd say, roller coaster of a Dutch Grand Prix, 2022 Dutch Grand Prix. Yes, Max Verstappen won for the 10th time this year, but the way he got there was pretty dramatic, I'd say, in terms of strategy anyway, and we love to talk about strategy on this podcast, we're going to dive straight into it. But first on, Verstappen, Freddie, uh, definitely one of his harder wins, wasn't it? Where do you think the race was won? Oh, that's a hard question. Uh, where was it won? <laughs> I mean, strictly speaking, it was won when he just breezed past Lewis Hamilton at the safety car restart. Um, but I think, realistically, the win came from just consistent pace that kept him in the fight for the whole race because it could it was easy to fall off as you saw with Ferrari and um in, in particularly Leclerc from falling off from that fight and and I think you can point to Rebels development on a Friday night over the on the simulator side and on the the team Milton Keynes side because obviously he missed all of practice one uh practice two Rebel were pretty much nowhere and the setup work they then did for, for, for Formula 3, for FP3, was excellent and put them on pole position and in pole, in prime position to win the race. And that happened. So I think realistically, you can, we can look at, as we will, look at the way sort of Mercedes were involved and that kind of thing and old safety cars that came and tyre strategies and whatnot. But the, the pace was extracted from that Red Bull where at points in that weekend, it looked like it wasn't able, it wasn't going to be there. Yes, it was. I tried yeah. to find the unmute button. Uh, <laughs> I agree. I think what they did to change the setup of the car from Friday to Saturday was absolutely vital to the win for Stappen to take pole in Q3 as he did. With a great lap, it, you know, I think Leclerc did make some mistakes in Q3 in the middle sector, so he you know, arguably should have been on pole, but for Staff and put it together when it mattered, which he's done so many times this year. Uh, and that, that was it, really. And then, you know, once he had track position, he showed the race pace. Red Bull had great race pace. We know that he can manage the tyre as well. And it was just a fight with Hamilton. Now, let's first talk about before the virtual safety car wasn't in force, no order. What do you think would have happened if there were no virtual safety cars, no safety cars, and it was, you know, Verstappen would have come out behind Hamilton, possibly, possibly behind Russell? Would he, have, would he have still won? Yes, he would have yes. done. Um, we saw how easily would he, he have had to have overtaken both cars? Yes, he would have had to have overtaken both Mercedes. But he'd already overtaken Russell once in that race when Russell was on older tyres compared to his fresher tyres. And those those were the same compound. So if Verstappen had come out on softs, as we were predicting, or, or even hards, to be fair, um, but just definitely not mediums um, in his third stint, he would have had an offset to the Mercs that would have been great enough for him to overtake. And he'd already done that with an offset so we could just do it again, in my opinion. Um, I do think that I'm. I do think that. Sorry. Yeah, I do think it would have been easy, actually, but it would have been a fight right to the end. 
I was surprised. I was surprised that Russell didn't fight Verstappen harder the first time round. You know when Verstappen overtook him, it was yeah. a bit like I thought, like you know, because we saw how Perez, you know, like locked up against Hamilton and like you know came very close to making contact. I thought Russell would have put up like a bigger fight. Yeah, I think Perez kind of actually was lucky that he locked up, um, and and he was lucky that he was able to then kind of put put Hamilton on a bit of a. Um, a bit of a kind of escape mission to avoid him. And that then obviously led, in my opinion, well, I say obviously, I think that led to Hamilton having to be a bit more shaky, not having quite the, the run out of the out of Tarzan boxes as as he could have done. And that lost him a lot of time. Um, not not as much time as I think as he lost behind Sebastian Vettel the lap later, but that's different. Um yeah, I mean that Vettel. I mean, people were being harsh on Vettel from what I saw anyway, but there wasn't much he could do once he kind of once he got to turn three, like because it's flat out anyway all the way to the next what turn was it seven or whatever. Yeah, I think I think there are points of it in that he probably could have gone low on that turn three, very mm. obviously, and he actively didn't, and that actively impeded both drivers very obviously. And I think the fact that there was a clear route that arguably has been used as a racing line that you can use to get out of the way is so it's not as dirty as it could be at points going up to turn seven that um that would have been a better place to get out of the way and he i think you know he he, he came out saw the fighting cars and decided to try and get ahead of them which you know raises instinct but um like there were very i think there were very obvious points where he could have been lapped at going into turn two and three that didn't help and actively impeded cars lapping him. So, yeah, it, it is a fighting penalty, depending on your opinion of blue flags and that kind of thing. That's different. But for the blue flag rules, that is a probably a penalty, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. Agreed on that. Now, the virtual safety card did come out because of Snow. Uh, do you believe the conspiracies that Red Bull... No. <laughs> no, just to check. I don't as well. I mean, because if, if, it, if it was, then the... He wouldn't. He would have just stopped straight away and wouldn't have tried to carry on and come back in the pits and then go back out again, etc. Yeah, it was just a messy so, situation. Yeah. And um, AlphaTauri have said, you know, there's kind of a weird drifting thing. I think it is genuinely probably they had a little bit of weird damage that just kind of made the car feel odd. Um, and Sonoda obviously thought then he was going to retire, took off his seatbelt, and they didn't want to admit to that. And um, last time that happened, a driver got got away with it, but. You don't want to say, oh, yeah, we undid our seatbelts in a live racetrack and then carried on. Woohoo. Um, because really, in my that opinion, you should get a race ban. For that. Wasn't it? Yep. And he should have got a race ban for it. Um, and Sonoda should get a race ban for that. Um, but anyway, that's, you know, this isn't club racing. It's not as serious. Yeah. Um, now, what was I going to say? Oh, well, yeah, the Sonoda, the Sonoda issue. Then, yeah, I mean, obviously. They obviously thought there was something wrong with there could be something up with the tires and so on. So they did come in and change them. But I I mean, there was probably something aerodynamically on off with that car and also then something off with the diff, they said, is the reason they've given for the, for the retirement. So that's probably what made the tires feel weird anyway, the diff. And I don't know why I think he could realistically have got back to the pits rather than stopping on track because he'd got back to the pits the lap before. But um, they obviously know more than me, so that, that's probably. I mean, I, I genuinely will bow to Alpha Tarry on this. I won't say that they, I think they genuinely 
thought the car was okay and then realized, okay, no, it's not okay. And I think, yeah. you know, it probably did get worse and probably was building up. You would think it would be a kind of a problem that's like that, but it's probably, probably was a deteriorating issue. Yeah. And I've remembered my point now. I was oh, very glad to see race control didn't uh, throw a safety car or a virtual safety car straight away after he stops like a minute the first time around. Cause so far this season, especially like in practice and stuff, we've seen red flags and things throw like almost straight away as soon as the driver touches the wall and even if they drive back out. I was quite glad they kind of let it happen. And uh, then so they did eventually restart for me. Yeah, I, I think that is fair enough. I mean, they're obviously in contact with Alpha Tari for that kind of scenario. I do also think that I, I'm, I'm not against jumpy safety cars and things like that. You look back to Baku in 2021, the fact that they were yeah. still racing for so long when you had... Um, Max Verstappen's car strewn across the track at one of the most highest speed parts of the calendar. And they were all the, the track was still live for a long time after that. And that was deemed red flag worthy in the end, that crash. So um, I, I do, I, I'm a bit more in favor of a, a more knee jerk response to neutralizing a session. That's to be safe than sorry. Yes. Um, yeah. In this situation, it did work out well, but um, and it was obviously a very visible part of track where Snowder wasn't, he wasn't in the firing line per se so much but um i did think actually to be honest he was stationary for a very long time before any vsc i think personally i think it worked out fine there but i do think he was stationary for long enough for that to have been um a vsc at least personally oh well, that's fair enough yeah uh now there's full safety car which is what for bottas stopping on the way to turn one, that was when the strategy went all out of the window. Uh, first, Red Bull pitted uh, because they wanted fresh tyres for the restart. So that oh, we should say we had already had the VSC. Yeah, we had already had the VSC. It's a really tricky kind of period of the race to piece together, um, particularly when I was like, watching cycling at the same time. That's my yeah. excuse. Particularly when you're like Nigel and I, and you've watched so many Formula One races that <laughs> they all blur a little bit. And when you have to do immediate reaction, it's it's difficult. Um, which is really really good for us promoting this podcast. But anyway, Sonoda Sonoda had his um, eventual VSC result, um, and obviously in that regard, Verstappen pitted which is the right thing to do, had a 12-second gap to Hamilton, and that wasn't really going to go anywhere. And that took the wind out of the sails of the race, to be honest. And we all we all felt it. It all became a bit flat. Um, but then the safety car came in for the competition, and and it basically, yeah, completely changed the complexion, as you were saying. Verstappen came into pit again. Yes. Um, and Russell did, but Hamilton didn't. Yeah, that's right. Now... Did Mercedes make a mistake? That is the big question. Um, right. So this is going to require a lot of kind of deconstruction. Uh, it looked at the time, because obviously Russell pitted on the second lap of the safety car. It looked at the time Mercedes were going to play it very kind of simply straight down the line. Two cars, one, two, track position, going to try and do it. Obviously, we know this year the Merck has a few issues with tyre warmth and so on. That spooked George Russell a bit. So they thought, okay, cool, we're going to need to react to that. And I think there was a conversation about, okay, right, are we fighting for the win or are we fighting for the best result possible? And I think as a fan, we were watching them fight for the win. As a team, they were fighting for the best result possible. And I think they thought, okay, we'll go with one car for the win and one car for the best result. And with that, 
with and in the end, so they pitted George rather than having him as a rear gunner, and rather than playing a vicious team game, they had two nodes in play, and the one node was dispatched immediately, um, and that was Hamilton's fight for the win. Um, in my opinion, and Nigel and I, you, you, me and you, were conversing at the time on this, and we 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 were very much of the opinion that two cars against one is better than one against one. Um, yes. Yes. And particularly when you can then throw into different elements of it, if you can get past the first two laps, you can have a DRS train essentially of your own making. Um, the what like forever strategy of DRS that Lando Norris made famous, um, and it works as a strategy that we've seen it before. You can tow yourself along and work well with that we also have seen um at points this weekend if you if you watch junior series um cars waiting to right to the start finish straight line before they go to avoid giving a slip to a car behind um that i mean depending on your rules and that your thoughts on that kind of thing obviously there was a crash in the formula two so you know a safety car line a bit earlier is probably a bit sensible but the rules on show at the day meant that Hamilton didn't have to go all until basically halfway down the straight and if he had Russell behind him then there was no way that they were going to give Verstappen a toe down that bit of track and he wouldn't have been overtaken the way he was so even if Russell wasn't there Hamilton went too early he should have waited and not given him a toe and then tried to have at least a 7 10th buffer that he could use to at least race um because those tyres did, after about five or six laps, kind of come and did have a bit of a win to him. Obviously, after the soft tyres had dispatched him, the soft tyre runners being Verstappen, Russell and Leclerc dispatched Hamilton. But if he had had a rear gunner there, he was on the same tyres as him. He wasn't going to impede him. It was going to be able to be close enough to work as a, as a blockade. They could have fought for the win. They could have. I so don't you- think they would have won it. I don't think it would have worked in the long run. I think Verstappen had too much pace. And I think that, I think if he, if he had fresh softs, I think it would have been, you know, really hard to keep him behind. But personally, I think that was the better course of action to go down. I think the fact that it was the general discussion between pretty much everyone at the time meant that it wasn't... The team wouldn't have thought about it, obviously. There's, there's a few things I want to pick up on it. Go for it. We've got to re- re- rewind back a bit. I think, because we got to remember, the safety car's come through the pit lane. It's not gone round the track. I think if Russell leaves a gap, because you have Latifi ahead of him as well, if Russell leaves a gap, how else can make his pit stop and come back out in the lead, I think, on soft tyres? And um, Russell, Russell gets a five-second penalty. We've seen it before. That's worth doing. That's worth doing. Uh, do you... Yeah. Plus, he had Tiffy in between as well. And he, he might not. Have. I think if he used a maximum 10 car lengths, I'm not sure if the chapel was on Russell's tail, but he had, you know, it would have been Hamilton, Latifi, Russell, then possibly for Chapel, maybe another car in between. I really think Hamilton could have made his pit stop and come out in the lead on soft tyres, I think. All right. We'll need to look at that. Obviously, Merck would have probably considered that. I think they would obviously be more aware. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a that's a we'll never know unless we were watching track maps live yeah. and that kind of thing. Unless we have that capability, and we don't have the telemetry of that to hand currently yeah. because we're not um, Mohammed Ben Sulaim. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll investigate on Monday. But the, the, <laughs> the the other thing is, I can't. I think Mercedes did plan to do what you said and to leave both drivers out on on medium tires. 
I just think it was Russell being selfish, wanting to beat Hamilton, that has changed her mind. Because I think, obviously, we're not completely sure when the team radio of him saying, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have cold tyres, pick me for softs was. But on the live feed we got, it did sound like it was quite late, just as, you know, as, as he was coming into the pit entry. I can't help but feel who's thinking for himself, which, you know, he's a racing driver. Yes, you should do. But he wasn't playing the team game today. And that, for me, for a sign, you know, if they are fighting for the championship next year or two, three years down the line, that is a sign that this is going to turn this into a Rosberg-Hamilton fight for me. This and Miami earlier this year when they were, when they were racing quite hard, but we didn't see it because the TV cameras didn't pick, pick all the fight up. But for me, Russell did lay down a bit of a marker by being a bit selfish today, I thought. Yeah, I think you could, I think you could make that argument quite well. Um, I think... I think Russell um, did obviously think about himself, to be honest. But I, I think you're right. He's entitled to do so. I think what he was thinking about, I don't know if he was thinking about necessarily just going straight out for the win and stuff like that. I think he was more thinking. I think um, he just wanted to beat Hamilton, to be honest. I don't know if he wanted to beat Hamilton. I think he was worried about the cars behind. Okay. Um, I yeah. think, I think, I don't know if he was sitting there thinking, oh, God, Hamilton. I think he was there going, oh, no. Um, um, Leclerc. Basically, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's just this is for me. Mercedes is one chance, maybe Singapore to win on merit, and they they've not blown it, but they've given them they've missed the opportunity a bigger opportunity. So I, 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 I feel there's elements of it, but there's also elements of it. I I'll stand by that. I think they would have been beaten anyway, but I think okay. um, from the from the, if they had done the safety car strategy that we're pitching. I think they would have been beaten anyway. Um, I think the best chance of winning was if the race had gone safety car free and so on. Um, and I still think they probably would have been beaten in that. But I do think they gave that arguably their best fist and their best attempt. Yeah. So it's a hard one. I think they. I don't think it's been. I don't think it's been thrown away by stupid race strategy and things like that. I think the closest thing to a throwaway from this is just Lewis Hamilton safety car restart, and that's on yeah. the track kind of things like that. That that happen and you know it could have got uh, every day it could have every other day it could have gone completely differently so who knows yeah absolutely this is uh, yeah you're right it's just a is shame. that a cop you know, out <laughs> no i don't think it is i think i think you kind of give your opinion that they should have left both drivers on mediums uh although you know although you know you said that they would lose the race anyway is also fair enough <laughs> Uh, because I can see that because Verstappen's pace was very, very good. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it's just I think it's just a shame we didn't see a safety car free race because it, you know, it was absolutely a brilliant strategic one-stop class. Well, I was going to say classic one-stop versus two-stop fight. I mean, we've not had one of those uh, battles sort of lead and they go on different strategies for quite a long time. And between mm. Hamilton and Verstappen, that's exactly what you want because they are. You know, the two best drivers still for me yeah. in F1 at, at the moment. So that was a shame. I think the last point on the strategy battle between Mercedes and Red Bull, I think Red Bull to pit Hamill, uh, to pit, sorry, to pit Verstappen for softs was again very brave, very bold. Anytime a uh, team decides to pit the leader uh, when there's a safety car from the lead to lose track position, just like they did at Brazil uh, three years ago in 2019. Uh, was it 2018 or 2019? 2019. Uh, you know, so it, it's just it's just super bold, super brave. 
so yeah, I think they got to get massive credit again for that. Hannah Schmidt, as I said. Yeah, Hannah Schmidt. She's she's yeah. she's been on the um, commanding end of very a lot of very good decisions from that that strategy team, and I think I think you're right that there is a, a definitely an element of ballsiness there. That I mean, it's easier to to do when. We've, what we always said about rebels, you know, they can always be a great team that are working really well and can always snatch a yeah. win from Merck and that kind of thing, because they're they're you know they're willing to take a risk. Um, I think the fact that now it, it works both ways that they're willing to take a risk because they're so far ahead in the standings as well that it kind of makes that kind of risk a bit easier. But I, that doesn't take away from the fact that it did get them the win. Yeah, and last thing on Hamilton, who was very angry on the team radio, but. I completely understand it. And then after yeah. the race, uh, you know, very magnanimous. professional. Yeah. Uh, mag- I can't say that word. Magnanimous. No, I can't say it. Kevin so, Magnanimous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it was one of his. It's, it's again, going back to qualifying, I forgot this. If Perez did spin in front of Hamilton, maybe he could have snuck in that one tenth between first and third fight as well. He could have done. He could have done. His first sector was very good with Hamilton's. Um, His mini sectors in sector two were very good as well. Um, But that's all we've seen. Um, Russell wouldn't have been up there. Russell would have been fifth. Um, But Russell should have got a penalty because he went through, went speeding through past Paris. He should have got a penalty. He should have done... That was Norris more. No, Norris on battle really in Q1, I thought was worse. Yeah. yeah, yeah um, uh, and I do think there are a few kind of instances. And we'll get on to that. Actually, I think we should go on to this. No, no time like the present. Actually, there's a few instances these weekend of kind of like more slacker decisions and that kind of stuff. I think yeah. there was a kind of a, a, a marker laid down in Qatar last year. There's a car stuck stopped on track that's very obvious. You slow down because even if there isn't a yellow flag there, even if there isn't a rogue marshal, then you 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 take kind of safety into your own hands because you're the the most unsafe scenario. Let's be honest, which is a, a horrible way of yeah, phrasing yeah. it, but it's the case. And that didn't happen this weekend in multiple occasions in Norris and Q1 and Russell speeding past. I mean, he he was nine tenths down off the pole time in the in Q3, Russell. He should have been a bit more down, I think. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I went to kind of dinner ladies there, but anyway. Um, I thought and, you were like, make, mimicking my voice there, to be honest. Oh, okay. Um, time and a place for that, to be honest. Um, and, and But then, and also, obviously, Sainz not getting a penalty for overtaking under yellow flags. Granted, that was shocking. Probably, we can probably reasonably understand there may not have been a yellow flag there but there's also a, a yellow flag scenario there and, and that semantics and sticky situations in that but i do think that's the kind of thing where you do need to kind of give a penalty to it <laughs> yeah i'd have to agree i'd have to i think the science was shocking absolutely shocking how we didn't get a penalty uh so yeah that's the penalty covered uh let's talk about ferrari actually <laughs> thanks for uh, my rap <laughs> I mean, they just didn't have the pace, did he? I mean, before the race, there was that he could have that race long scrap with Verstappen, but it became quite clear in the middle of the first stint that uh, the tyre wear or the pure performance of the Ferrari wasn't quite there. Is that a yeah. dangerous 
sign for the rest of the season if he wants another win or two, do you think? Yes, it is, because this track should have been one they were the closest at based on the characteristics of the Red Bull. Um, I, 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 I think that's it's a yes answer to that, really simply. <laughs> Uh, no, that's good. We like straightforward. Well, I, I, I like straightforward anyway. Uh, All right, I'll, I'll work towards that. Okay, give me more straightforward <laughs> questions. So I'll give you some straightforward answers. Uh, what about Sainz then with his first pit stop? I mean, as soon as he came in, I saw they weren't ready. And then, oh God, I mean, and then they weren't ready, obviously. And then that just ruined his race. Uh, is there anything to say on that Ferrari strategy, uh, Ferrari pit stops? <laughs> I mean, he wasn't far enough off to not be able to be a factor, but his pace didn't let him be a factor later on, if that makes sense. He lost, yeah. he would have lost about 10 seconds in that pit stop, but then he just became a nothing entity in comparison to where any of the other strategy strategy plays were. Um, he should have had the pace to realistically be a be a be a thorn in the side of any Russell or Hamilton strategy, in my opinion to kind of bring that back a little bit just because of he's a Ferrari, even if it was going to be a tail end kind of just to get in the way of thing, but he just wasn't. And then for some reason, post the safety car, he just absolutely couldn't get his tires to work. So it played into that kind of frustration of science's race. Um, And then he got a five second time penalty for unsafe release. And then I think he just kind of went, it's one of the few times that you've seen Carlos science kind of, lose his head in my opinion that kind of yeah. post race post safety car stint because he was saying he heard him on the radio sort of saying no I've I've seen it on the big screens it's, it's not an unsafe release it wasn't unsafe release Carlos come on um <laughs> and him kind of just being like no I'm not going to give the position back and that kind of thing and then just cooking his tires and nearly being overtaken by um Perez very con- convenient consistent ah oh, what's the word very convincingly on track and probably would have fallen prey of Alonso and so on further back anyway so i think weirdly is the it's it, and this long not straightforward answer at all it's the first instance of carla science that who's so sort of cool under pressure and so sort of a smooth operator and so on for being a very sort of bumpy operator <sighs> bumpy operator i like that I'd I hate mean, it. For me. Well, <laughs> if you need a different song rather than smooth operating like i know gangnam style or something <laughs> Oh God! Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, me, fair enough. For me, I I just can't. I don't know. I've never, science. I've always felt he is a bit. He can be like this on with his attitude. Anyway, definitely more so than Leclerc. I feel. I, I feel he can kind of lose his head a bit more. Okay. Uh, I'm not okay. sure why I felt that, but yeah, it, was, it wasn't a surprise for me to see that happen. That's kind of happened. Uh, I, I, I definitely, I mean, there's definitely races where his pace is nowhere compared to I mean, more Spain this year. Yeah. Two examples have come ahead. I think this was one of those weekends, where, you know, I, I think his pace was all right. Stop, and then after that, he didn't recover. Well, I don't know. His pace was, his pace was all right, but I think he got in his own head because he, he was in the fight in qualifying throughout um and in the first stint to be fair in the first stint he was falling back actually that's a good point actually i'll backtrack on that the first stint I mean, he was falling yeah, back I mean, way more than he should have done yeah uh, he was watching he was holding up yeah yeah but yeah uh we'll have to see how ferrari go which will be interesting 
in on that. <laughs> After so, I go to Monza. Uh, oh, I dread to think. Yeah, it's I'm working be, that weekend, so that's all right. Interesting. <laughs> uh, quickly on Perez to round out the classic top six. It's like football when we've got the top six teams, except this is the top six drivers. Aren't actually the top six drivers. I'm quoting what they are in terms of the teams they're in. So it's the top six. That's why I'm calling them the top six. Uh, Perez. Uh, they're obviously the top six. Only similar to science, I thought. Um, <laughs> yes, similar to science. Very much the kind of the case of. The, the sort of the, this part of the season for Perez where he just doesn't really have the pace to match because obviously there's it's just not a thing for most drivers driving that Red Bull. Um, uh, I think he probably could have got fourth if he had put lots of things together very well, but he, he, he didn't do for what you kind of expect from Perez in that car. He didn't do mistakes, he just didn't have the pace that was that you know any normal driver can extract from that car it is just really it's kind of it's 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 unrankable unrankable <laughs> you know what i mean though yeah yeah no i, I get that I, I, I'd, I'd agree with that yeah yeah but that's just that's just how he is unfortunately <laughs> yeah uh, another spanish speaking person is Fernando, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Now, he didn't use the medium tyres, and that is he got, well, it's not how he got into uh, fifth, at six, sorry, but he pitted, uh, so he went soft, hard, and then pitted for the soft when the virtual safety car came out for Sonoma, and he managed to hold off Norris at the end. So because of that virtual safety car, it was well-timed for him, he managed to jump uh, some drivers did he jump off? He, yeah, he, he, would, he would have jumped, he jumped off, off on, on in that the first pit stop, actually. In the first pit stop, all oh, right. So, Alonso did the majority of the work from pitting early, and you had um, obviously Vettel led a few around around a few pit stops early on. Yeah. Um, when you had Vettel, Ricardo, and then that sort of fed its way up to Alpha Tauris, but who were fighting with Alonso in around sort of 12, 13, 14th kind of place. But Alonso was just able to just kind of use that, to just go a bit earlier, and then his pace allowed him to kind of. To fight where Ocon, where Stroll, where Sonoda and Norris were. And actually, from there, he was already in that position. And the other soft tyres pretty much helped consolidate it. Okay. So, more is tyre management in the first. Tyre um, management in the first, in the hard tyre. The hard tyres just worked on that Alpine for him, to be honest, really well. Um, so, yeah. yeah Alpine has got Ocon very good a- pace across the board, actually. And yeah. As a race car, it's a very good race car for both drivers. Yeah, because I thought Ocon had a pretty good weekend again as well, but uh, yeah, quietly well, good weekend again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, both Alpine drivers impressive. Lando Norris continues to obliterate Daniel Ricciardo. Ricciardo had some gravel. He said at the penultimate corner in Q one, which is, is why fair he, enough from where uh, which was. he said cost him three times. Yeah. yeah. Um. But but I mean, he wouldn't have got out anyway. Um, whether it cost him three tenths or not, I mean, probably he was three tenths slower. We don't know whether that whether he made a, a fist of the uh, prior stadium session. I mean, we can give him the benefit of the doubt on that. But if he was three tenths slower, he wasn't. He wasn't making much progress. He would have been what maybe fifteenth or six fourteenth anyway. So yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it, you know, I mean, there's a, there's been a lot of discussion about Ricardo, but this weekend kind of. Proved the correct decision has been made, in my opinion. 
So unlike Ricardo, Lance Stroll had a pretty good weekend. Probably one of the best weekends he's had so far in 2022. I felt like he was on the pace practice, to like to qualify. Uh, you know, Vettel went out in Q1 and Stroll made it into Q3. He picked up a point, possibly could have done a bit more. And obviously it's hard to tell what Stroll's you know, maximum pace can be like. But overall, he looks very competitive. The Aston Martin, which looks very good as well this weekend. So, you know, I've got to give credit when he performs, and he has performed uh, for once. <laughs> so, well done to Lance Stroll. Yours, Freddie. Yeah, I think Lance Stroll, we've obviously said a few times that Aston Martin's had pace that's not been unlocked and that kind of thing, and they need to get on top of qualifying. And what Lance Stroll did really this weekend is get on top of qualifying and unlock the pace. So, yeah. hopefully there's more of this to come. I don't think there will be, um, but... <laughs> He did a good job. I was impressed with 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 him. Yeah, the same kind of thing, at least in qualifying with Mick and Sonoda. Yeah. But that kind of fell away in the race. Sonoda was there in the race. He was, he was definitely the better Alpha Tari driver all weekend. Um, and Schumacher was definitely the better Haas driver all weekend. And that's good times for both of them to do it. Absolutely. Let's talk about Schumacher a little bit then. That slow pit stop almost certainly costing him points scoring finish but it is about his performance and to beat Magnussen was absolutely key Very convincing yes Magnussen hasn't driven yeah yes yeah you're right and yes Magnussen hasn't driven up Zandvoort did he drive in his junior career Magnussen? probably he probably sure. did um, Zandvoort was a very active yeah. track at junior I mean everyone most of them have done F3 Masters yeah good point so but even has been a while but pushing uh, back and speed him is exactly what he does is this the start of what he's done in F2 and F3 in his uh, junior career, and he's going to go on a bit of a run, do you think, for Schumacher? If so, it's probably the last opportunity for him to have to start that run. Um, he's, he's, we've spoken at length that he's not really been the, the better driver this year. He's been consistently mediocre. Um, and the amount of drivers linked to that seat the amount of lists that don't include him are for Haas, that is, are relatively, relatively many. So I, I would say uh, if he can carry it on, it would match, as you say, his um, Formula 2 and Formula 3 triumphs. triumphs. So that would be interesting to see. Um, it, it's a weird way to, to have a career, but um, I think, I think it, it's a, it's, it's the last chance. We'll have, we won't know until realistically Suzuka if if that's kind of working for him, and that might be too late. Absolutely. Is is that's that that's a big thing? Is he doing it too late? Is a deal already done? You know, all verge of being done for someone else to replace him. Uh, you're absolutely right. I don't think we are going to find out for another few weeks at least. Uh, other kind of big off. Uh, off-track talking point was about Andretti slash Colton slash Super License scenario that's going Mercedes, Alfa Romeo and Haas or the team principals of those teams have spoken against uh, letting someone like Herta in but for me it's not just about Herta, it's about IndyCar drivers as a whole. Forget, you know, who Herta is and what he's done. It's about IndyCar not getting the recognition it deserves in terms of the super life points. It should more, shouldn't even be having this conversation, but we are 
completely wrong, completely wrong, that anyone who is against it is against it for me. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think pretty much everyone stands in the same boat of um, super licenses are a bit bonkers. And the fact that they don't recognize rival series to aren't FIA run is just politics. And the, the fact that that's kind of being dictated through um, teams such as Alfa Romeo and, and Haas is, is kind of just like, well, come on, guys. I mean, what do you, you just kind of, you're just using a bit of politics. It's very obviously political to essentially just block a career. And I think we've got the thing with Indy cars, you've got a driver who's performing in the same team consistently better than a driver who was Formula One standard for 10 years. Um, Andretti is the same stable as Roman Grosjean and Herter's been performing better than Grosjean this year. Um, Herter has also been, he's won races against the likes of Scott Dixon, Yehelio Castroneves and stuff like that. And that's, you know, that's more of a baptism and more of a celebration, not celebration, well, a showcase of talent than you get in Formula 2, Formula 3, Formula 4, Formula Renault, Euro Cup and by Alpine. Um, way more than any of that. Bloody Formula Nippon, that kind of stuff back in the day. Um, it's got way more kind of, you know, way more of, of kind of a fierce fight and a proof of a driver in IndyCar than you do in those. So if a driver can get, and I said this on our podcast the other day, but if a driver can get a full super license just for winning Formula E, you can get one for for winning in um, IndyCar, in my opinion. Um, but it's politics. But Helmut Marco has been confirming to people today, to various people, and Christian Horner has as well. So I think Sky Sports and um, Chris Medland have reported this, that stuff like that. Um, essentially, it's all but super licensed this deal now to put Gasly and Alpine and to put Hertha in the Alpha Tauri. Um and obviously really for Alpine's seat now it depends on the super license stuff as well. So it'd be interesting to yeah. see where that goes. Um because if Alpine get tired of waiting then it could just even if the super license thing gets done over the winter it might mean nothing in the end. I agree. I agree. It is it's is, it is a bit of a joke, quite frankly, I think. And I, I, I'm you know, even if you're not a Red Bull fan, I just like that they are going for the kind of racing, motor racing side of things rather than all this political nonsense that there is in F1. And I think, you know, if you are listening or watching this, there is so much more politics in F1 than you can even think of. It's an absolute minefield of it, you know, just getting a taste of it over the last couple of years or so. And Freddie will know exactly the same as well. There is so much that goes on. Alfa Romeo's team boss shouldn't have the right to determine whether there can be potentially a license to Alfa Tauri's driver. That should be an FIA body sole thing. And I've said this phrase a few times. You can't let the lunatics run the asylum. So um, it's, in my opinion, there's too much power to the teams and this kind of stuff. Um, Not that that I think that the FIA would run things up very, very, all this kind of stuff perfectly. Well, I do think that, and I think the FAA don't run it perfectly, hence why we're in this mess. I do think there should be kind of a separate kind of body for this kind of thing, just to like to kind of rate drivers. If you want to have a kind of force majeure thing that's there, where you can do a sort of rookie test, a shootout thing for a driver, that's just a kind of, the way they do for the Le Mans, the way they do for Indy 500 every year, Every rookie has to do a rookie test to see, and even no matter who they are, they're Fernando Alonso, they have to do that before they do it. And that he did, and he passed it. 
we'll just do that every year for F1 for a rookie. And if they fail it, they fail it. And don't even care about super licenses then. I mean, that deals with pay drivers as well, if you want to. Absolutely. I'd agree with that entirely. That was something I would love to see. Uh, I'm sure we'll come back to the super license topic over the coming weeks because it is going to be a major talking point. And well, if you got Adam back because it's one of his specialist stuff, subjects. Yeah, and if you do want to hear more silly stuff, uh, go back to our podcast on Friday when uh, Piastri was announced. We also talked a bit about uh, the grid and who's going to be where or who's not going to be where because we kind of, well, we didn't sit on the fence, but we don't know. <laughs> but we, yeah, we'll, we'll just go watch it and you'll see. Uh, a couple of words on Monza. It is a triple header, so it means we've got a third race in three weeks. Uh, the last of them this weekend. The staff will walk over, Freddie. The track does suit Red Bull. Um, their, their straight line speed capabilities. Um, so, yeah, I don't see any difference to Spa, to be honest. Yeah, I'd have to agree, unfortunately. It's, I want I want to see a good race, obviously, an exciting race. It just can't really see many factors that, over the rain, and I don't, I've not checked the forecast, over the rain there were to be a dramatic race, but we will see. Who knows? Uh, Monza has a kind of weird knack of being a bit odd all the time anyway. Um, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, whatever happens... We will be back to review it next Sunday. So my thanks to Freddie for joining me on this Sunday evening. Uh, My thanks for you for listening and watching. I hope you have a very good week and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.